Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Thursday afternoon. It's 2.36 right now, and it's time to welcome back on the program Andrew Dembina for this week's Artsing Around. Andrew, it's great to speak to you. How are you doing? Uh, hello. Hello, good, thanks. Yeah, how are you, Noreen? Yes, very good. It sounds like you are in the studio because we're using a new technology. Well, sort of. Excellent. Yes, it sounds Excellent. nice and clear. Excellent. It does sound. Sounds sounds clear from this end, too. <laughs> Uh, I've got I've got to say, Noreen, this has been a, a rapid rebound in terms of the world of art, especially fine art. It's really getting back on track. We're hearing about all the other stuff in the news today, you know, restaurants, bars, karaoke places, and all that. But the but the art galleries are really getting back into it, and so are the auctions. Every now and then, I mention to you an auction of art because I am just staggered. I get these bits of news or I'm, I'm looking for news in the art world and I just saw that two Sundays ago in Hong Kong there was a there began a three-day sale from two Sundays ago uh, three consecutive evenings and it brought in a total of 2.1 billion Hong Kong dollars um, th- from selling artworks I mean to, I'm just staggered by these by these results people are really investing a lot in fine art during this whole pandemic. We've seen it in other countries, and uh, 91 works of art were sold from Sotheby's in, in Hong Kong, generating that over 2 billion Hong Kong dollars. And, and it's, been, it's been noted by uh, commentators on the art market as, as one of the greatest bits of evidence of the upswing of the uh, collectors of art scene in Asia because a lot of the bids didn't come just from Hong Kong. Hong Kong is a centre um, which is, has far, far more auctions of fine arts than Singapore or anywhere else in Asia. So that was a, that was a, it's, it's a good thing for Hong Kong too because there are lots of jobs around the auction houses. So it's a good thing that this is bouncing back for Hong Kong in the auction scene. Yeah. Uh, we've spoken about it before. You know, there, 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 there's the other side of the coin, as we've said. We hope uh, and we've mentioned this before, that some of these works will be seen. I sent you a couple of pictures, unlabeled as ever, um, before we had this talk. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there, there's, there, there's a couple of pictures there. There's, there's your favourite, Noreen there, Picasso, uh, one of the pictures um, that went uh, from his Matador series, The Bust of a Matador from 1970. It was one of the biggest... Um, sales, which went for 140 million Hong Kong dollars. And that sounds a lot, right? 140 million dollars for a painting from 1970 by Picasso. Um, but that, um, it, that translates, by the way, as 18 million US dollars. Uh, 18 million. And uh, that, that result, though, was below the estimated, wow. estimated 22.7. That actually, although it was a really great um, mass sale of all these works, that piece sold for four four million US under what it was expected to get. Um, however, the uh, the people who sold it, who are called the the the, the Nomad uh, family from based in Monaco, they bought the work at Sotheby's London in 2010 for a mere 7.8 US million. Wow. So they actually made quite a lot on it they made 141 percent in just over a decade so so if anyone's got a bit of loose change and fancies a a dead certainty by by, by a picasso i think is the answer yeah 
yeah. Um, the, some of the other ones that, uh, that, that, that names to watch out for, just for the curious, because not most, most people cannot afford these works of art, obviously, but there's um, one of the biggest collectible Japanese artists, uh, modern artists, is uh, Yoshimoto Nara. He's always a favourite at Asian auctions, and he was among the uh, top sellers. It was the third... Uh, most um, high-reaching uh, painting. And, and I, I sent you a picture of uh, the painting that got sold from 1988 that it was painted. It's called Frog Girl. And it's the one of a, a kind of not-so-cute girl with a slightly evil look in her eye. It looks like a kind of manga comic. That's, I've seen uh, this picture before. Well, I bet you you've seen some of his pictures around. That's Nara, his yeah. work. If it's not this exact uh, yeah, one, yeah, he's got yeah. a very distinct style. Yeah, yeah. that's right. They're, they're, they're kind of um, almost dwarf-like manga um, cartoon paintings in oil paints, but they are very much from the Japanese comic manga style. And, uh, yeah, this one went for 12.4 million US. Uh, not bad, eh? So um, it's uh, I, w- I, won't, I won't go through all the rest of them really, but there are there are there are plenty of others which uh, which which also reached really really good prices. Um, talking of um, sales of art, art. Basel, which is an art fair, not so much an auction. You know, you do get the very expensive Picassos, etc., Nara. They will be in Art Basel every year. But Art Basel was off last year, and Art Basel Hong Kong is back. Yes, hopefully. Hopefully that is, of course, as long as COVID numbers don't surge again. And the dates for the art fair to be held at the Hong Kong Convention Exhibition Centre, as usual, are May 21st to 23rd. And it's, it's uh, as I say, unless there's a real surge in the, in the pandemic here, it's going to happen. So 104 leading local and international galleries hope to showcase the best of... It's always modern and contemporary art. So this year's edition has a slight uh, difference. It's got many differences, but in terms of what's being shown, there's also uh, one of the focuses will be on historical work from the Asia-Pacific region. So along with all the modern and contemporary stuff, there's going to be a definite focus in certain areas of historical work from Mm. Southeast Asia, South Asia, and across Asia generally. So so that's something to to look out for. The the highest priority, though, is uh, among the organisers is for health and safety, and there will be restrictions on the number of people who can attend. There'll be more distancing in the aisles and between galleries, and there will be um, distanced queuing for people to be able to get into certain sections. They'll only allow much reduced numbers for visitor capacity. Um, At the same time, they will be going for something that they've never done before called Art Basel Live Hong Kong. So this will be because they expect fewer people will either feel comfortable or the numbers won't allow so many people to attend, they will have a lot of stuff going on online simultaneously. And there'll be online viewing rooms to have a look at what the galleries are on offer and special events that will be done digitally only that won't happen. You wouldn't be able to see if you attended. They usually have forums and talks that you can sign up for to, to join. I haven't seen any mention of those happening. These might be all happening digitally instead so that more people can see them. So fingers crossed. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it goes ahead. I can't wait for this reminder of fine art normality if it, if it does go ahead. So that's, uh, that's in May. And you can get tickets for that through 
hkticketing.com right now, and they will be limited. So if you're interested in going, it's worth having a look at that. Um, also, Art Buzzle has been constant with doing digital contents during the whole COVID pandemic. I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that they, they launched a, an art film program, digital art film program, with their Art Buzzle film curator, whose name is Li Zhenhua. And they started off with things from Korea, and they've, they've been going through every two weeks, they're putting an, uh, an interesting film online. And they put one on a few days ago, which is a very odd one from Japan, by a filmmaking collective called Chim Pom. Chim Pom, weird name, doesn't sound very Japanese, does it? Um, and uh, it's called um, Black Crows of Death. That's <laughs> a little bit, little bit uh, morbid. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit downbeat. Um, but uh, it's it's from 2013. The, the the ones they started off with, they're not brand new films because people haven't been making art films during the pandemic. But they're they're screening films that they rate as very important works of modern filmmaking, of art filmmaking. And this um, this this Black Crows of Death is an is an edit of a kind of reality exercise that this filmmaking group shot um, trying to attract the crows which have become a little bit of a pest in some cities in Japan. They did it in and around Tokyo and they had blaring out of a car audio of the kind of crow cawing, cawing sound uh, and they were flying a model of a crow and they were trying to basically get great flocks of crows to follow them through the city. It was, it was all kind of um, handheld footage, a bit shaky, a bit weird, with large birds following them around, and then they fed them on some carcasses of um, not sure what kind of meat it was, actually. But it was, all, it was all very weird. If you like your weird art house films, not one to watch with the kids, Noreen, but, um, <laughs> yeah, you can check, you can check that out. <laughs> um, also, from the Art Buzzle organisation... Um, they 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 do put up documentaries, interesting ones about different artists around the world. There's a lot of Asian artists who are who are covered, and as well as American and European. But last week, back to collecting, which is what we started off this segment with, they managed, and this is really quite a, quite an amazing thing. Collectors of art often will not let a film crew into their collection, and someone from Hong Kong. Alan Lau, an executive at a tech company here in Hong Kong, walks the crew or the viewer when you're watching it through some of his collection, which is in an industrial private gallery that he's made to house his artworks in Wong Chuk Hang. And it's really fascinating because, as I said, collectors often really don't want to be known for having the works because they're quite valuable, some of these things. And uh, according to Alan Lau, who, who talks through the the whole um, uh, collection that he's got. He got into Wong Chuk Hang and opening this uh, this space, which is a where ex-warehouse space, making it into his own private gallery so he can really enjoy the work. This is the antithesis of what we've spoken about before, where someone might store their artwork, as happened with the Van Goghs in the 1980s, uh, where there were a lot of, particularly Japanese collectors, 
who would put them in bank vaults and never see them, just treated them as assets, basically. Um, Alan Lau, this tech uh, executive, is really enjoying having these works, and he's thinking about how he positions them against each other. He knows everything about the artists and seems to enjoy um, t- taking it, taking people through this. So if, you, if you'd like to see that, I think it's a fascinating cole- collection of some of the most edgy contemporary artists probably in the last... Um, 10 to 20 years go to art basil um go to the artbasil.com site where you can get a link or you can go to youtube and just look up art basil and search through their videos and it's one of the most recent ones there so that's pretty interesting um also in the news this week um for art is uh, about religious art returned antique art or religious art is always interesting um, a looted sculpture of a Hindu deity, which was thought to be probably stolen from a holy site, holy site in uh, Nepal, has been sent back to that country with the help of the Art Institute of Chicago. And this is a holy altarpiece known as a linga, and it's a representation of the Hindu deity of Shiva with four faces going back to the 6th century. And it was in the hands of a private collector in the US, and the Art Institute of Chicago helped Nepal to recover the sculpture and to put it back somewhere that it can be seen um, in, in a museum in Kathmandu. The work had never been borrowed by the, uh, that, uh, that art museum in Chicago. They just got involved in trying to help get it back with the Nepalese government. And there's been a case in America of at least two other pieces that have been found to and thought to have been stolen from Nepal. And that means stolen by people in Nepal and then souls to collectors in America. Uh, it, because this, this news from Chicago comes just over a month after a similar return to Nepal from a museum of art in Texas, in Dallas, which sent back a sacred uh, wooden carving of another deity, different deity, um, that had been stolen from a Hindu shrine by looters in 1984. And in this case, the FBI in America got wind of this being stolen, a stolen wooden carving, and they got involved in helping to identify that whether it was likely to have been stolen or not. And uh, that's, it's just, it's just it's pretty amazing that art institutions and the, well, the FBI have actually mm-hmm. got really serious about making sure things go back to where they're supposed to be. Um, yeah. Uh, Hope you can still hear me, Noreen. You there? I I can. I'm just looking at the time now. Um, I've got a couple of songs that I can play. So, it's um. Do you have some more items, Anders? Or well, I, last one, if I uh, if I if I may. No, you can't. Um, no, I'm just there's a Oh, okay. There's there's an in, there's an interesting contemporary exhibition at Tai Kwan in uh, in Central. You know, in the old um, police old station police in station. Hollywood Road. Yeah. Yeah, there's um, they've got two exhibitions, but I'm just going to focus on one. It's called Ink City, and it's renditions of different things in and around Hong Kong by contemporary artists using the what is tradition a traditional medium of Chinese ink, but treated in a very contemporary way. I sent you a picture of this. It's the one with the wide gallery with lots of colourful pictures. It looks it looks really quite fun because it's looking at people and social behavior and urban images around Hong Kong, but treated not in the old, you know, misty, um, traditional 
way that ink was treated a century or more ago, but in a very modern way. And There's a picture uh, I of a get horse it. at the back of that picture. Is that yeah. sort of, uh, drawn with ink? Yeah, they all they all are. Oh, they all are there. Wow. Yeah, it's and and I, and I think that they ink, ink. then. Yes, it's, it's, they're very colourful. They're not as you would imagine ink paintings to be normally. So lots of colour, and also they're not always using brushes. They're using sponges and different items, bits of wood to print, to dip into the ink and print on it. I've read a bit about this, and it's really edgy ink work. And there's a movement among uh, people, especially in Asia, not just Hong Kong, but in Malaysia as well. I know there's a lot of um, people who are using ink in a very contemporary way, in ways that um, might have shocked some of the old masters of calligraphy and of misty Guilin type scenes. So that's worth a look. That's on right now in Taekwon. Um, you, can, uh, you can get along to see that. Um, ink City. Right, I love that. Yeah. Well, Andrew, as yeah. usual, thank you so much for your sharing uh, this afternoon. When you asked me when I was, I was trying to blow my nose, actually, but I just turned off the mic to do that. What are you oh, like? No. Where are you? I was like, oh, oh sorry, no, no. put you on the spot there, Noreen. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> on the- on the spot literally well andrew thank you so much for for joining us this afternoon always always a pleasure to have your sharing and uh, lots of uh, um, various uh, recommendations for our listeners to go to i really like the ink one in tycoon and uh, Mm. with 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 the numbers of COVID going down what a great thing for children and family to enjoy as well i i I wouldn't have thought that those were ink paintings they look no they look really really cheerful yeah Yeah. (laughs) exactly not like the usual ones that we we're normally used to right thank you so much andrew for your time this afternoon thanks Nora. looking forward to chatting with you next week thank you very much indeed thanks and uh we bye for now 